Hello, and welcome to Teaching Plus, a podcast that explores issues and strategies of interest to post-secondary instructors for the enhancement of teaching. Hello, Teaching Plus listeners. I'm Anita Parker, Educational Developer with the Center for Teaching and Learning. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Frank Robinson, Professor in the Faculty of Agricultural Life and Environmental Sciences. Hello, Frank. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you for spending the time to talk with me today. So recently you spoke at CTL's Festival of Teaching and Learning about how you quote unquote capitalized on COVID and you incorporated virtual experiential learning into your winter 2021 Animal Science 101 course. Your presentation was truly engaging and inspiring. And one component that that particularly resonated with me was that you informally surveyed students nine times over the course of the semester. So I thought that this one small component would be an interesting podcast discussion about strategies that instructors can use to garner student feedback and incorporate this feedback into their teaching, particularly like in your case, active learning initiatives that require a certain amount of uh, student buy-in in order to run successfully. So to get us started, please tell me about your connection with the University of Alberta and about your winter 2021 animal science course in general. Sounds good. Well, I've been at the University of Alberta for 35 years this fall, and I've been teaching all that time. And I this course that we're talking about is Animal Science 101, and I've taught that course 45 times in the last 25 years. And, and for years, we ran a program called the Zahemfer in your tank, and that went 20 times over 10 years. And it was basically like a reality show, and students actually a- answered their question in front of an audience of several hundred people using music and drama. It's about 2017, I guess, we stopped doing that because it was sort of had run its course and everything else. And the class had also got so big that I we started doing different things. Like we would we would have rural cafes and we'd meet, have students meet farmers over coffee and things like that. And then we ran something called the Game of Farm Life, and that was something that was done in, in groups. That went really well. And then COVID hit, and we had to decide what could we do. And so, you know, this course has had grown from 16 people a term the first time I taught it to 142 this last term. We have labs three days a week, and I teach with two other very energetic people, Martin Zudoff and Leona Greenwich. And, and we started, and so I think they're kind of getting used to me saying, I have an idea for next year. So you had the... You had you got into the the game of life. You mentioned the heifer in your tank program, and you you were you've been dabbling in experiential learning for for it sounds like decades now. But it got to the the game of life rendition of that, and then COVID hit. So now one it sounds like one of your strategies to make the the game of life work was to break the students into smaller smaller cohorts, so there was that that greater chance of connectedness. Yes, and I also thought like. What could we do in a COVID year that we couldn't do normally? And that would be to interact with more people online. So I, instead of interacting with three farmers that we went to tours for in the real world and in person, we had 48 farmers come online and talk about their operations. And it was just like, why didn't we do this before? Because the, the, the breadth of discussions we had 
And you could just see people light up when a farmer showed them, you know, all the ins and outs of their farm. And so, and these farmers were just like amazing. Every one of them was keen. And I only had one person turn me down. So, you know, I just think everybody was so down in the mouth with having to have labs online. But I did things that I I couldn't do normally. And I think it's going to change the way that I, I, I teach in my very last year next year so well i also got like the work the students did was absolutely amazing like every week they submitted three powerpoint slides for each of the 30, 48 groups or 36 groups and they they did an amazing job and it's like so i said to them at the end you guys should take this material and publish it as a book because you've written the story of a farm and you know some of them are just absolutely amazing so they presented something. They, they they actually produced something in the course too, which I think is important for for self esteem and going forward as well. Let's uh, let's home back to the the idea of the surveys because it sounds like you had a lot of moving pieces, and I imagine that you did a lot of things on the fly. And and again, you needed to have student engagement and buy in for all this to work. So why did you think it was important to ask students for their feedback about the course during the term instead of just at the end? Okay, well, in hindsight, I would have done it a bit differently. But my main objective was I've done work with students group projects over the years, and they start off super keen and super excited. And then we go through what I call the dark days of problem-based learning, where they get frustrated with their groups and they have other courses have deadlines and they're, you know, this project's too much work. And then they get a bit down in the mouth. And then I have, I, you know, I try and work with them. And then they do their deliverables. And in the end, it's all like butterflies and unicorns and everybody's happy. So I like to sort of, like I wanted to, I wanted to quantify that, that dip that usually happens in, in when I work with that, students like that. So, I set up nine surveys, one the day they started, and then every week for the eight weeks of the project. But what I did wrong was when I set that up with the, the Human Ethics Research Board, I said I wouldn't look at the data till the end of the term. And so I couldn't look at the data. I had the data, but I said I wouldn't look at it till the end of the term. And in hindsight, I should have said, I want to look at it every week and react to it. So students thought that I was reading it every week and reacting to it. And I told them last day, no, because of the constraints I had for confidentiality and that, I I told them I wouldn't look at it till the end of the term. So in hindsight, I would have have modified things a bit more on the fly. Can you describe the survey tool, such as the number of questions, the wording of the questions, the software that you used? What specifically did you ask the students about? I went through the test scoring and questionnaire group of IST and they were fantastic so they 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 don't charge very much but they administer everything every week for the survey so I did I had five questions on a Likert scale that they could just uh, choose strongly disagree all the way up to strongly agree um, but then I also had two open-ended questions um, that they could answer responses to. The, the five questions I had really um, wanted to 
sort of gauge how their what their perceptions were of, of the term. And so the first question was, I felt enthusiastic about the Game of Farm Life 2.0 this week. So I wanted them to say, okay, this week, how do you feel? And then the second one was, I feel, I feel that I was part of a helpful online learning community in the lab session this week. And I wanted to, I really wanted to build a community because this course typically has had a very strong community. Then the third question was, the community formed in my Onsite 101 lab has helped me stay engaged and motivated during this online term. So in my ideal perfect world, this course would have been a lifeline by building a community for students in a COVID time. That was what I really wanted. I wanted to build something they actually look forward to coming and seeing everybody again and feeling motivated and not bored and that they were active learners and not passive learners. That was my objective there. Then I also wanted to ask a question about how much help they were getting from us because we weren't in person. So I, the fourth question was, I feel like I'm getting sufficient guidance and help from the ANSI 101 teaching term in working on my Game of Farm Life project this week. So I want to say, I want to hear the students say, you know, that just wasn't very clear this week. This, the project the assignment this week was just vague or whatever. So I wanted to hear that. And then the last question was, I'm enjoying ANSI 101 more than the other online courses I'm taking this term. And that was just kind of a yardstick to say, are they hating this class or are they liking this class? So I put it in the context of the other courses they were taking. It, I think it worked out pretty well. So then the two open-ended questions are, do you have any suggestions for building a class community in an online learning environment? And to be quite honest with you, I haven't gone through all the answers yet. There's a lot of them. It's funny because we had a very high participation rate. We were in the we were in the eighty percent participation rate, but we we told them if you don't want to participate, you can do a five mark term paper, or we'll give you five marks if you do six or more surveys. And we had probably ninety percent of people who did six or more surveys, and about ten percent who got no marks. But they didn't, nobody asked to do a term paper. <laughs> no, what a good incentive! That's very clever. Make it low stakes, but but just enough stakes that that why would they add to their extra workload? That what a win win situation you yeah, created. So, like the people at the test scoring. Um, suggested that. Did you see that that dip you you explained earlier in the usual uh, evolution of a of a project over the semester, where it starts out high, goes low, and then maybe finishes strong? Did you see that in the? the oh, we didn't. As well? We didn't. And like, it's interesting because they started off strong and they ended off strong, and they never really deviated. We had no significant differences um, in the shape of that line. It didn't deviate from a straight line in any of the five questions. So in some ways, I thought, well, that's kind of a bummer. Like all that worked for nothing. But you know what? It really showed that, like eighty percent of the students thought we had an effective learning community, and eighty percent of the students um, thought they were getting enough help. And in a previous life, I was dean of students here at the U of A, and I met so many students who had no lifelines. So they had no family here, they had no friends here, and their lifelines were the courses. And in some ways, it's kind of a sad situation, but it's a reality. So what I, what I like to do is say, this course is actually going to be a lifeline for our students. They're going to like get more than academic credits. They're going to, this course might actually help them get through this term. That's, that's what, I, what I like to do. 
Uh, you said it was unfortunate that you couldn't use the data from the surveys in real time and be responsive. I imagine that would have been a lot of uh, late evening work if you got survey results and you wanted to change things on the on the fly, but you were unable to to do that. But uh, what about next next time? You said you're heading into your last year of of teaching, and and um, what does what does the the uh, survey data from this past teaching, the winter term, mean as you move into your next term? Three of us teach this course together, and so I, we haven't decided what we're going to do for our project next year, and that usually happens in the fall. In, in a perfect world, I would want to have a mix of online and a mix of in-person. So I could see taking them to see two or three real farms and getting their hands and feet dirty. But I also want to expose them to the breadth of this these 48 farmers. And so one guy threw a drone through his dairy barn to show all the parts of the barn. And they, lots of them threw drones over their farm to show all the land and the cows and the yaks and all that kind of stuff. But the enthusiasm was amazing. And the other fun thing was, is I taught about half of these people in a previous life. So, you know, they have a lot of them taken this class. And so they came back and they, they could relate to the students really well because they're quite young. And then the real coolest thing was we had a calf born on live oh. with a camera on behind the farmer. Oh, that is fantastic. He had a camera on his cows because when he started talking to us, he said, well, I've got a cow calving. So I got my camera here behind. Is that okay? And then he was talking away and he turns around. Yep. Calf's been born. And so, wow. <laughs> so the class got to see about a, a very few minute old calf. That was kind of cool. That sounds like an episode on National Geographic. Yeah, it was just amazing. And it was, it was just so cool. What advice would you give other instructors who may be interested in conducting maybe two or three, maybe not seven or nine, uh, surveys, informal student surveys over the over a term? So I think the key thing is to figure out, like, what, what are your objectives for the survey? So, you know, do you want to find out what their perceptions are? Do you want to find out if they're overworked, whatever? So identify those first. And then I would talk to somebody else who's done surveys in classes. And, um, but then I would just say, talk to the test scoring people because they are really um, informed and they're very approachable. And then the human ethics side of things went really well. This is fantastic, Frank. The university in your 35 years of teaching and the 45 times you've taught this course is just so fortunate to to have your your passion and your your expertise. Do you have any other final thoughts before we close off the podcast? No, I just think I just go back and say, if teaching does something for you as opposed to just doing a job, that's really good because like I I, I get a fair bit out of teaching every term. That's really what keeps me away. I wouldn't have stuck around here if I was just, like I had a research career, I had an administration career, but the teaching side of thing is really, what gives me the most buzz, buzz, I think. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Teaching Plus. This podcast has been created by the University of Alberta's Center for Teaching and Learning. You can get more information on any of our services by going to ctl.ualberta.ca.